Hello, and welcome to Hotline Offline. I'm your host, Esther Choi. I'm a chef who worked in numerous kitchens and currently running several of my own. And throughout it all, I've gotten a lot of practice at problem solving in the kitchen and answering burning questions. We're joined this episode by Food 52 resident Amy Chaplin, a vegetarian chef and recipe developer for over 20 years of experience all around the world. Together, we're going to answer questions from the Food 52 community and our podcast audience about how to prepare a plant-based holiday dinner. So let's get to it. Amy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm actually very excited to speak with you because I am a very big fan of yours. Oh, wow. Thanks. I've watched all of your videos and I love your content specifically because I actually am such a big fan of just vegetables and plant-based food in general, but I am not a vegetarian, but I still like love like I would, I would definitely choose like vegetables over meat any day. So I'm always like learning a lot from your content. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I feel like there's a lot of people like that in my life where they're not vegetarian, but they just like good food, you know, right, right. <laughs> vegetables. And vegetables are honestly so delicious. It's the best. It's so versatile. I have a question for you though. Uh, it looks like you've been a chef in like so many different cities. Have you been a vegetarian your whole life? Yes. My parents were vegetarian. So Mm -hmm. actually I grew up eating a completely vegetarian diet. I mean, not vegan. We still had dairy products. And then when I left home, I kind of experimented with more vegan foods and Mm -hmm. macrobiotics and sort of food as medicine, especially like Japanese macrobiotics, which I love. So are you a vegetarian now or are you vegan? I'm a vegetarian. Vegetarian. Yeah. I go through stages. You know, Mm -hmm. it's funny. You just funny how you sort of change. It depends what I'm around. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm so glad that I have the flexibility to be vegetarian because I think vegan is harder, like when you're traveling or things like that. But right. But yeah, mostly like my books are 90 plus percent vegan. You know, I I add cheese here as top as a way to add richness, like a topping, you know, like you might use an avocado. I might use some local goat cheese or something, for example. Right. Right. So it just depends. Yeah. And it's not cooking with the dairy. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. rely on it in a lasagna, say, or in food, but it's like an added thing at the end, like a garnish, really. Right. Um, So jumping right into just all things plant-based holidays, but I think it's more of like festivities in general, Um, not just like holiday questions. But I think that one of the main questions that a lot of people have when it comes to plant-based holiday is how do you make a dish sort of like the main dish without being like a side. I feel like there's a lot of beautiful sides that are vegan or vegetarian, but what about mains? Totally. I mean, I was just thinking about that. I had to like jog my memory because you get so used to just sort of being happy with God, amazing roasted veggies and delicious salads that have all these different textural elements and roasted vegetables in there. I mean, there's just so much you can do with simple side dishes that are deli- I'm actually happy to have a meal of. But sometimes you just want like a centerpiece, right? In my first book, I really focused on sort of, it was coming out of working years in restaurants. And I felt like we were always trying to come up with like for Thanksgiving, like the centerpiece, you know? And so sometimes it might've been a roasted stuffed squash or 
Like there's a bean bourguignon in my first book that I just think about for like winter holidays because it's like delicious with a mash and just a simple green salad, but it's got like red wine and herbs and mushrooms and heirloom, big, juicy, creamy heirloom beans in it and like a really rich root vegetable stock. It's a process. <laughs> it's a process to make, but so is a bourguignon, right? Right, so exactly. <laughs> it's the same Bean idea. Takes forever. <laughs> it's all day. Yeah, it's all yeah. day. But it is so delicious. And I feel like everyone loves that. And and that's such a beautiful bowl of, you know, warming goodness in winter. But also what things that I find popular are like my butternut squash lasagna, which has a tofu ricotta and, you know, any kind of lasagna noodle you like and sage infused in it with a lot of roasted garlic. And it's just like a delicious, layered, beautiful centerpiece. So there's some dishes that I feel like, well, sometimes when you just really want that as a vegetarian. But beware, the meat eaters are going to eat it all too. So, right. you know, it's like one of the <laughs> the things is like, oh, what's a vegetarian made? And it's like you need to make that for everyone <laughs> because I find like everyone eats that too. And then they just have a little bit of the meat on the side. I mean, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of effort goes into, you know, these layered dishes, but there's also another one in my second book. That's a cauliflower bake that is so popular and it's got this whipped cauliflower topping. And basically you make any kind of thick, rich stew and you cover it and bake it. And it's kind of like magic happens because it's golden and like a mash, but sort of just richer than a potato in a way it's got pine nuts in it. What's inside? Is that kind of like the shepherd's pie? It's kind of that idea. Yeah. So you could make any kind of stew and some of them have like beets and fennel and chickpeas and then others are like lentils and tomatoes and, you know, like richer, you know. Just like, like legumes, a, right? Yes. Because yes. those are like nice, like hearty dishes. Yeah. So basically then cover it with a, this thick whipped pine nut, nutritional yeast, olive oil, cauliflower thing that you've blended the hill out of in a Vitamix and it's like so aerated. Anyway, uh-huh. when you bake that, it is heavenly. And I feel like you can make them in individual portions. You can freeze them. You can do it ahead. You can keep it separate in the fridge days ahead, assemble it and bake it. Everyone goes crazy about that. And it's like, you know, it's like something you scoop out of one dish and, right. and it's a complete meal on its own. You just have a salad with that or some roasted veggies or something. That sounds so good. The cauliflower whipped with nutritional yeast and pine nuts. Do you boil the cauliflower or do you steam bake it? it? You steam it. Okay. Steam it so that it's soft, not overcooked because then it loses flavor. And then you blend it and you need a tamper stick. Okay. Like, I've got two methods though. You can do it in the food processor if you don't have a high power blender and it's totally fine. It's still good. When you use a Vitamix, you've really got to use that tamper stick like... What, like what is the liquid in there that makes it? Um, well, it's funny. When the cauliflower is steamed perfectly, it's olive oil. And I think there's the option of a little bit of water if you need it. But mm-hmm. really try not to because it will go round. And the pine nuts are so creamy, they just break up. And I think that's it. And salt. I mean, and then you can, of course, flavor that with different herbs and things, you know. That sounds amazing. And I just feel like vegetables have this quality of like being very versatile, right? You can do a lot of things with it. And like you said, you can go very, very simple with vegetables or go like really, really like long process, do like a million things with it. I love that idea. And, you know, sometimes cooking on the holidays, it's really about that long process, right? Because that's the time of year you get to kind of like stay in the kitchen for a long time and do like different things. Yes, exactly. I think we should embrace that for sure. And it is really nice for a vegan or vegetarian to have, you know, 
a main course. There's another thing that's on my blog when I used to blog. Don't don't think you're getting anything new there. But there is one like these cabbage rolls, which mm-hmm. you can put in a tray and bake it. And they're like, um, you know, all different herbs and mushrooms and things. And that can be a nice little package to have on your plate, you know, right. as like a a bundle. I think I feel like the bundly idea is nice, like a like a stuffed acorn squash that you've roasted, and then you can make like a herby, winey French lentil mushroom filling. And it's so easy because you just bake the squash, and then you just scoop in the stew and serve it. A lot of the times, I feel like stews and such is like great for um, vegetarian friendly dishes, right? Because vegetables. Yeah. What do you stuff the cabbage with? Because usually their cabbage rolls are stuffed with pork or something, right? That's a really good question. I'm just blanking on what that recipe is. I made it years ago, but I think it's got some kind of lentil and mushroom, all sautéed, all cooked, like wintry herbs and things. And then so it's not it's not sloppy, you know? Right. And then you roll it up. I feel like the lentils are kind of good because they ple- – if you're cooking for both, meat eaters and vegetarians – I feel like, like, I, yes, I use tofu in the, the butternut squash lasagna and, and I make it into a ricotta, but I'm not into any kind of like, you know, I don't really use tempeh and seitan and those things on holidays. I love tempeh, like love it. But, but seitan, I just never really embraced. And now that everyone's gluten-free, it's kind of challenging because it's gluten basically. So you mentioned that you don't use like any of the meat substitutes on holidays. Is there a reason why? I mean, the, except for the tofu, and I don't really think of tofu and tempeh as a meat substitute. Some people mm. might. It's a protein, and they've been around for thousands of years, you know, and so it's not really like any new thing. A meat substitute to me is like something that's trying to taste like bacon. Oh, right. Yeah, like tofurkey, I think. Yeah, those kind of things, or tempeh, bacon, or whatever. I feel like they're flavored, smoked, trying to taste like something. Since I never ate meat, I have no interest in replicating that, right? So I just want to make delicious food. And I feel like beans, especially big, plump, creamy ones or little lentils, I feel like they're very, you know, people like it. Can you tell me about this tofu ricotta, though? Because that sounds really interesting and sounds really delicious. Yeah, it is. So you basically poach garlic in olive oil, like slowly, Mm -hmm. big cloves, and then you basically squeeze out the liquid out of the tofu. And I don't bother pressing it over a period of time, but I get a firm tofu. And then you do it in a food processor and you use a little bit of vinegar, salt, and the garlic infused olive oil. And in this one, I use fresh sage as well. And you just blend it up. So it's creamy, but it's not totally silky. But you wouldn't use an upright blender. I feel like it would kind of have that ricotta texture for sure. Yeah, and it's delicious. And then I just spread it, alternating layers of pureed squash. I mean, it's so easy, really. It's just there's steps involved in like roasting squash and pureeing it and then making the ricotta. Then once you've done that, then it's just layering and baking. It's sort of like eating a really good ravioli, you know, like a squash ricotta ravioli, but it's Mm -hmm. in a lasagna. So one tray really goes a long way. You can really serve like 10 people because it's quite rich and it's it's not like it's full of other vegetables. Oh, it's got caramelized onions in there. I love that. It sounds so delicious. delicious. So here's a question from our listeners. What are some filling veggie friendly sides for a potluck? So something that's more of a a crowd pleaser that everybody would go crazy over. Sides, Mm -hmm. not a main. Okay. One of my favorite things to do is to make a salad that's hearty, shaved watermelon radishes, 
you know, endive, radicchio, these very hearty greens that stand up to sitting on a table. You know, uh-huh. like you don't want a green salad that's going to wilt right. with the heat of the candles or whatever, you know. So these salads actually taste great like hours later because they've just marinated. But, you know, um, hearty things like watermelon radish, those sort of bitter greens. Right. So there's that idea. But there's also like to put uh, rings of roasted delicata squash, toasted pumpkin seeds, some plump cooked spelt berries perhaps or barley or something. And you make like a heartier salad mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's just got a few more layers in it. It's not just like a green salad. It's not just like a bitter green salad. You know, it's like got the roasted squash, which is like caramelized and sweet, the bitter green, a simple dressing can just be apple cider vinegar or a little mm-hmm. bit of balsamic, but the toasted pumpkin seeds or walnuts, you know, that adds all these layers. Right. And textures too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like sweet and bitter and tart and tangy and you know, and then you've got the really good olive oil on there. I feel like those things are so good because it's room temperature. Uh-huh. You don't need to heat it up. I feel like in winter, some things just are better warm. And and for a potluck, it's always a challenge. I mean, also, there's like so many other different foods and then it sits for a long time and people are like picking at it. Yeah. So that's a really good tip for a salad. I feel like there are so many different vegetables and greens that people don't really use in their daily cooking and you know things like watermelon radishes and things like that are not something that people think of no and guess what though you know like you can see them in now and you can still keep them in your fridge and use them in just later in december like for a new year's eve dinner or christmas or whatever you're celebrating because they keep so long that there's like i just stock up in the fall at the farmer's market and i'm still using them like you know what i mean like they they are not like a regular radish they will last you a long right. time. I feel like root vegetables ge- generally, right? Yeah, exactly. They're a hearty root, not like a delicate. Radishes can be delicate. And I feel like you then you're like, oh, and they get old. Oh, I should pickle them. Watermelon radishes, they're just best shaved thin. Once you pickle them, you lose that beautiful contrast in color. colors. And right. yeah, so I don't think there's any point. And you can always roast them if they really don't look, if they are a bit like tough, because they will eventually... <laughs> <laughs> you know, start sprouting or something. Then another thing, though, for a, a potluck, I love to do like a bean pate, and they can, and that could also be a side dish to a holiday meal. Um, I did like a like tons of recipes in my second book where it was like blended just by hand, like you can whip cooked red lentils where you cook them with whole garlic cloves and a bit of herbs if you want, and then you just drizzle in olive oil and you just cook uh, stir it really really well, and it's like this sort of whipped creamy mash like but it's been and it's a fantastic dip on like warm bread or on the side of roasted veggies to dip in that sounds so delicious and it, it could even go on like a board of like with yes. like crackers yes. and like just even like raw vegetables and it's not hummus like it looks yeah. a bit like hummus when you uh-huh. use red lentils but like you can do white beans and you can add a, a, a cooked beet to it to make a beautiful vibrant pink color and it's not like tahini and lemon and garlic and those particular you know those those flavors that are delicious for a dip, but it's more like a warming side because it's like either warm or room temperature and you can like dip in roasted veggies. And it I could also that. be with crackers too or bread or whatever, but it's sort of like less strong as mm-hmm. a, you know how, you know, hummus, you, there's a limit to how much you can eat, you know, right. it's delicious, but it's like strong. 
Are there any like herbs or any anything that you add to it to give it like a different flavor profile? Yeah, you can. I mean, if you're doing red lentils, which is a great one because you don't have to soak your beans. You haven't, you know what I mean? Like they, right. they cook so quick in mm-hmm. 20 minutes, you've got this. I love doing thyme and then adding a squeeze of lemon and a lot of olive oil. But the garlic that you cook with the lentils is very mellow. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it just adds a warm, mellow flavor. You could add finely minced um, rosemary, which I would saute though. Just because it's more of a cooked dish, it's not fresh. But, but you know, when I'm doing like a white bean dip, I love like adding an artichoke heart to it Ooh, or, yummy. you know, blending it and making it really creamy. So it's like an aioli, you know, just right. a bit different, not like a typical bean dip. Right, right. Something like interesting and something new and people are like, oh, what is this interesting yeah. dip that I've never had before? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's sort of like nice with the main course because I feel like, you know, with a salad, if you are vegetarian or vegan, you've got some roasted veggies and a salad. Right? right. And some bread. Then it's like really nice to have this sort of loose, yummy bean thing that you can kind of join your meal together with. Do you know what I mean? Like potatoes can be dipped in it and the bread. And then it's yummy with the salad too, especially if it's like endive that you could, you know, that's crunchy. Right. Changing every bite with like a little bit of dip on yeah. the side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll be back with more questions after this short break. And we're back. Another question that we have, which is going on to the main dish. Rather than substituting a roast or a ham during the holidays with a vegetarian dish, are there any tips for recreating iconic holiday dishes without meat? I don't think so. I think that we should be, I mean, not should, you can do whatever you want. I mean, if you can find some meat substitute that you think, wow, this is like texture like chicken, and you like it, then great. Make a roast chicken or a turkey. Or with my extended family, we've made this red lentil loaf, which is like this hippie thing. What is, what is that? It's basically um, sautéed carrots, onions, celery, and some thyme. And then you mix cooked red lentils with it. And then you put in a loaf pan, you bake it, and you serve it with like a mushroom gravy. And so it's kind of like a loaf, you know, yeah, like, like a, a meat, meat loaf. And, yeah. and people don't. People love it. It's like you don't even say anything and they're like, oh, well, this is tasty or, you know, it's it's just got all the flavor from the mushroom and the thyme. You know, you make a really good mushroom gravy with right. different mushrooms and really, you know, good, rich flavor. Then, you know, with a stock, you know, you can't go wrong. People will look at it probably go, oh, my God. Well, sometimes I feel like meatloaf, I mean, you've probably never had meatloaf before, no. but like it kind of has the texture of kind of like nothing. It doesn't have the texture of like meat. Right. Yeah, it's like very soft. Yes. Yeah. So, right. So lentils become that, but then you bake it. So it's sort of solid, but I think you could go a lot of different places with that. Mm -hmm. You know, my mother made for us when we were kids, which is still a favorite for me, um, but I never actually make it. I only have it with her is these walnut balls that she used to make out of ground up walnuts, parsley, breadcrumbs and egg and maybe some Parmesan or something, but then she'd roll them and then pour a bechamel over them and bake them. Oh my God. Ooh. They're like so rich and flavorful and real like holiday winter food. I was going to ask you, so like what is, what is like your holiday meal look like? Uh, well, it kind of changes. Like it depends how ambitious I feel like being, but like in the fall, I love, I do love half a roasted squash Like, I just think it looks so beautiful when everyone's got like this beautiful, you know, it could be any kind of squash, but, you know, like a little, if you can find little acorn squashes. And I've done that for Christmas 
you know, if I didn't do it at Thanksgiving, but just making like, like the bourguignon style, you know, wine and herbs and mushrooms in that. I mean, it's so warming and satisfying. And I just feel like everyone loves it because then you've got your own dish that you're sort of, you know, eating out of and you end up with a shell. You know, I think, I think that's one of my favorites. I love that. I do think that a lot of people think that if you're going vegetarian during Thanksgiving or Christmas, they don't have the feeling of, oh my God, I'm so stuffed, I can't eat again. And they like that feeling because it's the holidays. How could I get closer to that feeling as a vegetarian? Eating too much. (laughs) (laughs) I just eat more. It happens. Right. (laughs) It's like comforting foods, right? Right. That that gives you that satisfied, warm, cozy, like, oh my God, I'm like eating a lot. And a choice. It's like, it's like, oh my God, I've got to try that. Oh no, now I'm getting full. That's what you mean, right? It's like, you know, I think it's having an array of dishes that you can choose from and some that are really warming. Because I think the problem is, is that often at a holiday table, if you're vegetarian or vegan, it's like, oh, here's a whole bunch of sides. And the sides are a bit neglected because they've gotten cold, you know, because the oven's Mm -hmm. busy or whatever. And I feel like it's harder to have that sort of satisfying full yeah. feeling when when it's room temperature exactly and I, I feel like it's because a lot of meat dishes are really rich too like too much butter too much right. cream things right. like that it makes you feel like a little bit heavy which is why i feel like vegetarian dishes are so great because you can eat a lot more of it and not feel that kind of weight, yes heaviness yeah well that does come from animal products in general yeah. right mm-hmm. and it's harder to get you have to like eat a lot of olive oil and nuts i guess yeah, <laughs> right I mean, those walnut balls are rich and they've got a bechamel, which is like, and I think someone I know made a vegan version and they were fine. There's no problem. But yes, it is much more heavy when you've got like cream poured over potatoes and bake them and that's your side dish. That's like filling, you know, very filling and definitely weighs you down. Yes. So I have this thing that I'm obsessed with right now. It's a cabbage steak. Oh, yum. It's very trendy right now. Uh, What is your feeling on like things like, you know, whole roasted cauliflower, cauliflower steaks? That was another one I was going to mention for the for the centerpiece thing where you're all like cutting a wedge out of. It's so nice to have a whole roasted cauliflower. And there's just so many ways you can go with the flavorings. I don't think you should do for your holiday meal for like a big crowd cauliflower steaks because you'd need a case of cauliflower (laughs) to get the big pieces, you know, but a whole roasted one is perfect because everyone takes a wedge and you can easily roast three right. or two in an oven, you know. And how would you flavor? How would you like jazz it up to make it like super? Oh, there's so many ways. I mean, I have done, I can't remember what I've sometimes just gotten really inspired by all the spices in my spice cupboard and like made like a rub and then steamed it first, mm-hmm. put hole poked holes in it, you know, and then really rubbed it with like garlic and whatever it was that I was craving last time. And I, I wish I'd written it down because it turned out really good. But also if you Google, like, I think the person that does it the best is Neil Harding at ABCV. I mean, his that's famous, his roasted right. cauliflower. And he's got a tahini turmeric sauce that he serves with it. Yummy. And he puts like dried olives and pomegranate seeds over it. I mean, it is so delicious. And I think the recipe's online. Someone interviewed him and mm-hmm. he gave it. So I think that if you really like that, that's a winner. And I feel like super festive and really beautiful as Especially well. Especially with the pomegranate and chopped up parsley. I mean, it is gorgeous. Yeah. I was going to say like one other thing that if you want to go a little, you know, not so traditional, like, uh, you know, a tagine, like chickpea tagine Ooh. with different sides, like, you know, some 
beautiful grain studded with pistachios and then like a chutney and a labney, you know, and then like a spicy rich chickpea dish. I feel like that's very satisfying because it's got like the harissa in there and like all these spicy rich flavors that right really satisfy us. I feel like sometimes we just shouldn't be just trying to do herbs, garlic, wine, you know, that's great when you really go that route. But like, I feel like it can be good to go and look to different cultures. Right, right. A totally different direction, different flavors. Yeah. And I think it can be really satisfying for if you're trying to please meat eaters. Like I feel like I serve that, I've got it in one of my books. It's like a rich chickpea stew. Right. And some people say I'd quit meat if I could eat like this every day. And I'm like, what? I mean, you can, it's like layers of flavors, but it's that layering, you know, that hits the notes. What do you mean by layers of flavors? Well, like, you know, you've got tomato and you've got creamy beans. So you've got textures as well, but like cumin and coriander and paprika and spice to really Mm -hmm. kick it, you know, with tomato and some turmeric and depending on how you make it. But you know what I mean? It's like it really adds depth. And I think that's why like really good Indian food everyone loves, right? No right. one's like missing the meat if it's a vegetarian one. Definitely. And I feel that way about fermented food as well. Yes. Being Korean, I feel like we eat a ton of fermented vegetables and pickles and such, which I think is like a lovely addition to any meal. Like my family, we need to have like kimchi and pickled daikon on the table with our Thanksgiving dinner. Oh my God. And it's so good for you. Daikon like absorbs, like if you're feeling heavy from weighed down from dairy, (laughs) daikon's the perfect thing to eat. And the pickle helps digestion. I mean, it makes total sense. That's another thing I love on the the tagine is like pickled red cabbage or, you know, sauerkraut or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. It really balances it all out too. One of the questions that I have personally would be plant-based desserts. I think it's easier than than pleasing people with the main in a way. I feel like now you can, like on Food 52, there's so many great vegan desserts that aren't like super involved. But I was a vegan pastry chef for years. So oh, wow. I just have made so many different tarts and cakes and pies and you know, I mean there's so many different directions you go. I love a tart. I think they're mm-hmm. elegant. They look beautiful. You're not trying to do a pie where you're, you know, double crusted and then sogginess happens, especially without butter. You know, that can happen more easily, I think. Um, So I think tarts are great because you can make them ahead, keep them in the fridge or freezer, bake them. You can put different fillings, like a good chocolate ganache filling, which can be completely vegan with coconut milk and dark chocolate, melt it, pour it in, done. You can flavor it with some Earl Grey or some raspberry preserves underneath. Are tart shells usually plant-based? Like there's no dairy in it? No butter. Well, often people use butter, but I do. See, the thing is like rolling out a vegan dough is way more challenging than just pressing a crust, right? Right, And you can press a crust with nuts and oats ground up and some, and you can easily make them gluten-free. And then you use an oil and a maple syrup and that holds it together, press it and pre-bake it. And you don't need to blind bake. That's the other thing. I often say to people, vegan desserts are actually easier. There's no blind baking. You don't have to worry about room temperature eggs or breaking custards. Or, right, right. You know, it's pretty easy once you know how to use agar to set a dessert. You don't need it in a chocolate tart. But say you want to make a van- you know, vanilla custard tart or something. I also feel like you could just add roasted pears. You can add frozen berries turned into a compote. Pour that over. I feel like there's simple ways to make really delicious vegan desserts. 
a lot of fruit or I, I guess chocolate fruit. too, if you're using coconut milk or things like that. That's right. You can use dark chocolate. I mean, often I stay away from that because it <laughs> keeps some people awake and it's like, especially when you do a really dark, dark chocolate, but you only need a little bit, you know, it's nice and rich. What else is nice? Speak? I mean, there's cranberries. What if you want to go extravagant though with dessert? Yeah, then I think, I think you do that and then make some kind of whipped topping. Like that can be delicious or, you know, pomegranates are really nice or cranberries. You know, I feel like, or like an almond franzipan kind of tart with berries can be delicious and with some orange zest and having, you know, sort of some spices in there to make it wintry. Yummy, yummy. Yeah. What, what you were saying something whipped. What can you put on top that's whipped? Okay, a lot of people do the coconut milk off the top of the can. Oh, I'm never right. Or, I'm never organized enough to like make sure I've got <laughs> that in the freezer. Although now I'm like, I'm putting one in here because I want to experiment with it. You know, you can do a cashew cream. Ooh. So if you made, say, a tart crust and you roasted pears and you put them in, then it's nice to have like a creamy topping. So you can blend cashews with some orange juice, a little bit of vanilla and maple syrup, like not much orange juice, just a little bit to make it go round, and then put it in the fridge and it becomes like a nice creamy dollop. Oh, my God. Wait, do you, so do you pre-soak the cashews or do you just blend I, it directly? It's good to pre-soak because you will just get it creamier quicker. Mm-hmm. But doing it in the Vitamix is always good, but you can do it in a food processor too. Pinch of salt, a little bit of cinnamon, orange zest, squeeze of orange juice, maple to sweeten, just not much liquid. And right. the soaked cashews will then turn into. And then it's maybe you could even add in some of the whipped coconut cream if you wanted too. Just to Delicious. Sort of not taste too much like cashews. I feel like nuts are like always a good option. That's the hard thing. If you can't do nuts and you're doing vegan, I'm always like, uh, coconut, that's one thing. You know, or tiger nuts is can be another thing. You can use tiger nut flour instead of almond flour. They're, you know, they're a root vegetable. So people that, you know, can't eat nuts can eat it. I mean, I always rely on them. Right. I feel like very versatile to use, um, especially when I, I feel like people don't think of it, like to use it in different ways. Like you just mentioned yeah. like whipping it. I love that idea a lot. Um, do you put it into like your crust sometimes too, or like you bake with it? What the the whipped cashews or, or cashews? just generally like nuts in general? Oh or yeah, absolutely. Like I have every nut. I've always got sort of every nut stocked just because like you might want to make like a there's a there's one time I enriched a soup to make it more holiday like like a squash soup that I made a toasted hazelnut milk and then just stirred it in. You know, so then you've got oh, this yeah. other element and it's just like. That's kind nuts. of like using cream, but yes. like instead you're like making like a creamy nut. Yes, like a thick, so just less water means you get a, you know, a more concentrated cream-like substitute. And I just find now I can't really have the cream. Like I love the idea of like, oh, yum, some local like sour cream stirred through, like it's fermented, delicious, but I actually find it too rich after I've eaten a whole bowl, you know what I mean, of soup with it. So just the nut milk idea is just a bit lighter. So I find that just more satisfying. Yeah. And so I, and then I've always got walnuts. Like recently I just sliced up the the hazelnuts and I, you know, mixed some maple and maple sugar and a lot of flaky salt and a bit of vanilla and spread it out and made like a brittly kind of praline. Oh, like a crunchy, like topping for anything. As a topping. Yeah. Uh For like a dessert, it's actually coming up on food 52, but it's a roasted pear mousse. That's vegan. Oh my gosh. Delicious. Yeah. And then a chocolate hazel, a chocolate rosemary sauce, which is just like, you know, adding in different elements. I think that's what makes it like, oh, this is nice. And you don't really think it's vegan. I mean, I served to some people over Thanksgiving and they, they didn't even know it was vegan. Here's a question for you. 
leftovers because, you know, holidays, leftovers, it's all a part of it. How do you recreate or how do you like do leftovers with, you know, vegetarian holiday dishes? Yeah, it depends what it is. I guess like if you're having a bourguignon or any kind of stew thing, they taste better, you know. The next day, they, right. Yeah. And if you've made them two days before, you still can eat them. So I think mm-hmm. they're they're a fantastic. They get thicker if they've got beans in them, but that's nice. Like if you wanted to like blend up your cauliflower, you could actually pour it in and make a bake out of it with the bourguignon underneath. Uh-huh. You know, you could do that. But, you know, I find roasted veggies, honestly, they're not always great the next day. I mean, they're fine, you know, mm-hmm. and I will eat them, you know, like roasted squash I might put in a salad. Right, Or, right. or re- re-warm up is fine. But like recently we had some whole roasted sweet potatoes and I actually turned them into a bread like a banana bread but with sweet potato because I was like you know what they're not going to get eaten and I can't stand the waste so I'm like I'm making this into something else that we wouldn't you know they weren't roasted with any flavorings or anything so I love that idea you you could do that with like a mash too right yeah yeah exactly as long as it hasn't got like caramelized onions in it but then even if it has you can make like a savory quick bread could you save a salad you think if it's, you know, it's funny, if when I was testing that recipe that's recently on Food 82, you know, the next day I was like eating the endive. Yeah, it's marinated. I don't mm-hmm. think it's like something I'd serve anyone else, but well, I was it. quite happy. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is quite good still. <laughs> it really does sit around right. well, but stick it in. The, this is the thing. I think people ruin their leftovers by bringing everything into the kitchen and then like getting distracted with dessert, having another glass of wine or whatever. And then they've got all their leftovers out and then like things like the salad, it needs to get in the fridge. Like get them in, not while they're hot, but get them in. Amy, so what are you looking forward to making this holiday? Well, since I talked to you, now I'm all <laughs> into this bourguignon idea. I'm like, yeah. oh God, it's a process. I'm like, you got to start it like a couple of days before, just so you're not like cooking the whole time. Right, right. And that's something that you can kind of make in advance, right? Exactly. It's just better. It gets right. better with time. So yeah, you're making a stock and then you're soaking the beans and you're cooking the beans and then you're sorting aromatics and mushrooms and things and then putting it together but it's so good like with like a nice parsnip mash or a, you know like I On do top. celery root no just next to it like oh, next a, to a, it. the bourguignon yeah it's oh, like right, you know right, like right. a Not nice like shepherd's pie. stew yeah but that that one's another nice one or the whole roasted cauliflower I like that idea too I haven't done it in a while I feel like it was really trending and everyone would kind of OD'd on it and now I'm like oh I forgot how good that is <laughs> actually in in Korea the, the cabbage steaks were oh, yeah. was trending so much so like I had to recreate it and like made like a bushmel and like put it on top and roasted it like very very hard and charred it and like put a lot of like garlic on it it was, it was honestly better Yum. than steak it was so oh delicious God. do you slice it mm-hmm. or do you, you slice right. it and then it's like almost like a thick it's like a steak and then you like saute it like you sear right. it really hard in a pan and then you roast it you like baste it but I feel like there's like a million ways to do it. I mean, I absolutely love cabbage and I feel like it's super underrated. I love it, especially when it's like really cooked and melted like right. that would be inside. Like it is so underrated, like steaming well or sauteing with leeks. That's another thing I put under the cauliflower, sauteed leeks and cabbage. Oh my God, there's something about it. You eat it, it's like creamy cabbage you and it's know, like with sweet the cauliflower. Too, yes. Right? Yeah. So much flavor. It's the same when you can't get Brussels sprouts. It's like roast wedges of cabbage. It's delicious. They char. You know yeah, because that's pretty much what Brussels sprout, I mean, it's like yes. a mini cabbage, right? Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that, and it looks so beautiful, red cabbage as well. Right, exactly. Yum. Yum. Love delicious. it. Delicious. I'm making the steak. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amy, thank you so much for this amazing and insightful conversation. Now I'm just like going to eat veggies all night. Oh, thank you for having me. That was really fun. Thank you to everyone for your incredible questions. And thank you again to Amy Chaplin for helping to answer them. If you're interested in hearing more from Amy, she has two episodes on Food52's podcast, Play Me a Recipe, where you can listen along as Amy cooks her way through a couple of incredible plant-based snacks and meals. If you have any more questions that you're dying to know the answer to, remember to leave me a message at 518-291-9877. Hotline Offline is a Food52 podcast and is produced by Coral Lee and Harry Sultan. Remember to follow so no question goes unanswered and no answer goes unheard. Bye.